0: The other night, and he was talking about an issue that he had, that he was dealing with in relationship to his friends and stuff, and he he made this interesting statement. He said, you know, if you don't do what you say, then your words aren't worth anything. I thought that was a strong statement for a 19-year-old to say. If you don't do what you say, then your words aren't worth anything. What's, why do you even bother speaking then? It was in relationship to an issue that had come into play, and uh, I was quite proud of his response and his, his action there, although I played it down a bit. And he's not here today, so that we don't have to be concerned about him saying, Oh, Dad, shouldn't have brought that up. When we talk about issues of finance, whether it be in tipping our server or responding in a relationship with God and who he is and how he's a partner in our life and and how we respond to him and recognize his ownership. What we say should mean something, and it should reflect who we actually are. We're going to do a simple two-part series. We're going to discuss this issue of finances, and we've got the little show me the money. I always say, your money talks. The only question is, what does it say? See, our money talks. The only question is, what does it say? What does it reveal about us? What does it declare about us? What do others say when they look upon us and they see how we handle our finances? What is a statement that they would say that reflects who we are and how we deal with it? Well, I want to talk about those issues and those areas. And I've been involved. Boy, I was talking to my wife here this morning. I said, I have spoken on this issue issue and study this issue. It's been 35 years now. I've been working through this question of, you know, how do you do with finances? And where is it appropriate? And when is it the pastor who wants your money? And this, this nonsense about somehow God needs our money. God doesn't need our money. We desperately need to let God have control of our money so that we can enjoy it and not be owned by it. When you talk about finances, I concluded there's There's two primary issues in our life that everything breaks down from there. And the first issue is one that was close to my heart, and that's greed versus generosity. Greed versus generosity. And Jesus speaks to this issue on a consistent basis. He talks about the necessity of being generous and allowing generosity to be a primary value in our life, to continue to push down greed, because greed in our life is just something that's always there. You can't kill it. You can't kill it as much as you want to. It keeps popping right back up. What you can do, though, is as you throw more and more generosity on it, it becomes difficult for it to raise its head. Okay? So that, that's really the key. So greed versus generosity is one idea. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, the other second idea is managing versus owning. Managing versus owning. And what I've discovered about finance in my life is I can't own it. Sometimes I try to own it, and I found I, I can't, but I can manage it. God gives me the ability to manage when I recognize that he's the owner of all that I have and all that exists. So I found the cadence of the cosmos is God owns, I manage. God owns, I manage. Be generous, not greedy. Be generous, not greedy. And So those are those, are those constant comments and direction in our life. When you have to deal with something, those are the principles that need to guide us in all of our financial struggles Or prosperity. Whatever it is, we keep bringing that cadence over and over and over again. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, put it this way. He says, in fact, why don't you read that with me? See if we got that. Matthew chapter 6. I think that's our verse. Did Did we do that one? No, we didn't put that in. Okay. Well, there it's in your outline. It goes like this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moss eat and rust destroys. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is a strong advocate of garage sales. Go out. He's saying, get rid of that stuff. Don't allow it to encumber your life and pull you back and hold you down. Don't store up things here on earth. He says, don't do it. He didn't say, you can store some stuff, it's okay. He says, don't do it. Don't store up stuff here on earth. So now many of us here right now are going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, I got all this stuff stored up. And it seems to me that we've moved a couple times recently, and yet it's like it reaccumulates instantly. It's crazy. And I go, what's with all this junk I have here that's actually pretty nice? I don't want to throw it away because it's too nice. You know, but it's it's so much stuff. How do I get rid of this stuff that's holding me back from doing what God wants me to do with it? It's, It's a bad investment, you see. Jesus is saying it's a bad investment. It's one that brings terrible results. Brings terrible results when you store up things here on earth. Jesus is speaking to this truth because the vast majority of people are busy storing up treasures where? Here. And you know something? Most of us have to raise our hand on that. We're busy storing up treasures here. We're busy getting ready for what's to come. We're storing up more and more and more stuff. And Jesus is telling us, He says, you can love money all you want, but it won't love you back. You can love money all you want, but it won't love you back. He's telling us you can become slaves to your finances, and your hearts will end up belonging to this world if you continue to store up treasures here instead of storing them up in heaven. Now, someone says, how do I know if I'm a slave or not? Well, check your storage. Eh? eh? that's that's pretty, pretty simple. Check your storage. You ever thought, man, I'd love to give 10 percent of what God trusts me with back to him. But truth me, I, I just can't because I'm, I'm so afraid there won't be enough to pay the. Yeah. And I go check your storage. Check your storage. You see, direct TV isn't a requirement of life as much as my son thinks it is. It's not a requirement of life. Check your storage. What, what? Bills tell me where my storage is at. Jesus said, don't store up things here on earth. If you do, you're going to regret it. You'll be unable to store the things that God wants you to store in heaven. Have you ever felt like God was calling you to do something, to go on a mission? And you said, I really want to go. I'm ready to go. I want to go, but I don't have the yeah, you see, slave storage problem. Got a storage problem. You can go. You see, if God says you can go, you can go. Didn't you hear Marty here the other Didn't you hear Marty talking? Over and over, it's like, God told me to go, so you can give me the money. Because he does not have any stored up, so he's dependent on you. Give me the money. And you go, oh, okay. We'll do that, Marty, because God told you to go. If you want to go on a mission trip, you can go on a mission trip. I, I guarantee it. You can go on one. The question is, will you go? Well, you go. You're saying, well, well, I don't have the money. Yes, you do. You have the money, and if you don't, God will give it to you. As long as you're not storing up treasures here on earth. Because, you see, if you are, then just sell the storage and then go on the mission trip. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Okay? So, this issue this goes on. We talk about a young couple gets married. And they say, we want to start a family. We believe children are a blessing from the Lord. But... We can't afford those blessings. So we're going to wait until we are, you know. Cindy, you've got one coming up, don't you? Ah, so I understand. How you, how's it going? Is things going okay? Yeah, good, wonderful. So blessings that God, we, we kind of go, and I know what happens. We go, oh, I'm not sure we can afford this. Yes, you can. Children are a blessing from God. God will take care of you. He'll remind you. He'll direct you on what you're supposed to do. You have a vision. He'll provide for you. Watch it happen. You'll be able to tell all these stories. Oh, and then God did. Be sort of like, here it goes. Oh, you know how I got this car? You know, I got this thing. I say, yeah, it's amazing what we can do if we choose to store up things not here, but in heaven. And then God kind of brings them back whenever we need them. Do you understand that? When you store things up in heaven, it means it's God's. And God says, yeah, that's mine. Do you need that here? Let me give it back to you. And He drops it back in your lap. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? God... See, that's the principle. Don't let greed control your life. Let generosity control your life. Don't let the idea that you own anything control your life. You don't. You're managing things for God, and God owns everything, and he has everything. He's perfectly capable of providing you with anything you need. You see, loving your finances is painful, it's expensive, and it destroys faith. It costs you dreams and so many adventures that God wants you to go on. But you're so busy holding on to your finances that you miss out on them. And you don't get to do what God wants you to do. Don't choose money over God. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't do it. Don't love money because money won't love you back. Turn the person next to you saying, Don't love money because money won't love you back. Tell them that do not love money. Money won't love you back. I know it's like, ah. Okay, earlier we started off with some of these basic principles of Jesus, trying to tell us some principles about how to deal with real treasure and how to handle the thieves that want to steal it. And the first one is a simple one we brought up earlier. You can't kill greed, but you can grow generosity. See, what I found in my life is that I am greedy. How many of you are greedy? And the rest of you are liars. It's okay. We just, uh, it's like I'm born with grief. I sit, we're at the baseball game, okay? And the kids are all playing baseball. And it's fun. It's, re- it's T-ball. It's not really baseball, you know. Like, he, it counts. Yeah, it counts. It counts. It's the beginning. I'm sorry. Okay, so we're playing baseball. The game's always tied. Yeah, everybody wins. This is going to change, by the way, but everybody wins. We get done with the game. We're down here, and they've got these little Lunchables. And, and uh, somebody's opening their Lunchables, and a kid's sitting next to him. He's looking at the Lunchable, and he looks over at the kid. And he looks at the Lunchable, and he looks over at the kid. That's just going on. I'm sitting there watching this scene. I'm going, wow, well, I wonder he's going to open his mouth. Pretty soon he says, can I have one of those? And the guy says, one of what? Like he doesn't know. One of what? Well, one of those cookies. There's two. And he goes, yeah, there's two. And I mean, he's really thinking. He's just, oh. He looks back up at the kid and looks back down. He goes, "Uh." He picks up the cookie and looks at it. Takes a little bite out of it. Nope. (laughs) And I said, you know, you need to share. And he looked at me like, well, share your stuff. (laughs) I don't have anything. It's not my problem. We are naturally greedy. We just have this thing going in us. It's just, it's, it's hard to overcome. It just is. You can't kill greed. But you can grow generosity, and what happens, it becomes like this huge flower, these flowers of generosity, overwhelm the weeds of greed. That's what happens. But you've got to keep watering them. you've got to keep getting them in the sunshine. you've got to do all this stuff constantly, or those weeds just jump up. You don't got to work at getting weeds. Have you noticed that? You don't have to work at having weeds grow. I got them all. Look, go out here in the parking lot. I'm going. Where did this giant weed come from? There's no water. There's nothing. It grows, no problem. You don't have to work at weeds. Greed will just automatically come up. But you have to grow generosity. Greed steals the true treasure of life. Why store up treasures in heaven? He says because your heart will be where your treasure is. And if you want your heart to be with God, if you want to find yourself responding to people as God does, because, you know, it always says the big thing. God so loved the world that he what? Yeah, and it's, it's constant. God gives, God gives, God gives, God gives, God gives. And I go, if I want to be like God, I'm a person who's always giving. Jesus says, because your heart is where your treasure is. If you store up treasures here, then greed will take over. He's constantly trying to tell us, use your giving to build heaven-bound hearts. Don't allow greed to keep your earth bound. Every time you're generous, what takes place is your heart grows closer to God. Every single time. It, it enlarges this eternal heart arteries. And it causes the, the greed, the greed issues and greed cholesterol that wants to gum it all up. Okay, it says it causes it to clean out. It's like, oh, generosity is like roto river to your heart. Cleans it all up and you start beating well. It's like, yeah, and you can hear the cadence of God. And our heart starts beating to the cadence of God. We go, oh, my goodness. And I feel so good because greed isn't collapsing The beat of my heart. You see, and that's the cry of God to us. He said, Jesus said, I don't need your money. You need desperately to give it. You need desperately to be generous. Because when you do, you'll hear your heartbeat. To the cadence of God. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And it says over and over, God owns it. It's okay. God owns it. It's okay. The world lies. It says you can buy love. It's not true. Even the Beatles knew that. Hey? You can't buy love. It's impossible. But last year the average American spent a dollar and twenty two cents for every dollar they earned. And if that's you, your treasure is in this world. Your treasure is in this world, and it's killing you. You're believing the lie that money loves you, and it doesn't. Money does not love you. We can't live within our means in the most prosperous place on the planet. We have a problem, and the problem isn't you don't make enough money. That's not the problem. The problem is you haven't learned how to be generous And greed is collapsing the veins of your heart. You see, this world is a liar. You can't buy love. Another lie this world says, it says you deserve it. Folks, if you get what you deserve, it won't be a happy time. You don't deserve everything. Our kids become 25, and they think, you know... We should have everything our parents have, despite the fact that they're 65. And they spent their entire life working and going through this stuff. And they've, they've developed a lifestyle that's, that's comfortable. And your kids say, I should have that right now at 25. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie that's built on greed. And it will destroy you because we grew gradually as we were able to overcome the issues of greed in our life. And generosity was the primary point, and God provided as he wanted to in our life. See, this world lies. You can't buy love, and you don't deserve to be happy in relationship to your finances. Your content will not bring you contentment. Write that one down, okay? Your content will not bring you contentment. Some of you think, if I don't have a cell phone, life is over. No, it's actually wonderful. It's a glorious thing. Leave it at home someday you'll halfway through the day you'll suddenly discover, oh my goodness, I left my phone at home, and I've been happy it's It's not a wonderful thing you You don't have to have direct t v okay? you don't have to have all this stuff. I know you think you do. you don't see what's happened is the American Businesses have a wonderful commercialized process in which they have caused you to believe that you're supposed to be in debt, and you're believing the lie. Oh, I'm supposed to be in debt? No, you're not. You don't have to be in debt. The only debt you should have is to love one another. God says, "Look, and I can take care of you. I can provide all these things." Every day I get a thing in the mail. You know, every day, literally every day I get one. You know what it is? It's a pre-approved credit card. Let me tell you something. God didn't send the card. (laughs) It wasn't him. We'll leave it to your imagination who did. But he didn't. You see, it's not normal. You don't have to have car payments. You don't have to have all these different kinds of debt. It's not necessary for you to have that. You can't buy love, but you can grow it. You can grow it. You grow it with generosity. You grow it with generosity. Generosity. And that's God's directive to you here. You see, greed overwhelms us, and we can't give generously. Not at church, not anywhere. And I say it's a horrible, horrible thing because God wants you to be able to give. It's in giving that we grow, that we gain, that we experience life as he meant for its experiences. Just as you received Jesus by faith, so continue to live in him. You see, in that faith process, is we choose to live generously in relationship to other people around us. You can't kill greed, but you can grow generosity. That pushes it into the background. You can love money all you want, but I'll tell you one thing. It will never love you back. It will never, ever love you back. Use heavenly generosity to kill earthly greed. Paul says it. He talks about it in Second Corinthians. He says, remember this. A father, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure from the pastor. No, that's not in there. To pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. See, heaven-bound hearts give cheerfully, generously, regularly, consistently. It's just what? They do. They don't want to hang on to it too long. Because the longer you hang on to it, the more you start to think it's yours. That's the struggle with finances. That's the struggle with stuff. It destroys our ability to enjoy life, to appreciate all that God has provided us with, and to live in freedom. God has established a cadence to the cosmos. It beats in our heart. We can hear it when we give generously. If you want to gain greatly, you have to learn how to give generously. Give generously. You see somebody on the corner. I was there the other day. My son was in the car. We pull up. I'm on the passenger side. He goes, Dad, there's some guy there. He's got a little sign up and it says, uh, uh, homeless but not hopeless. And he goes, oh, I always like those signs. He says, here. He pulls out his wallet. He says, I need to give him a couple dollars. He looks and he goes, there's nothing in here. And he looks at me. So I look in my, yeah, I got a couple dollars. And we roll down the window and give the guy a couple dollars. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Two dollars? Really? What am I going to do with two bucks? The Lord said, really, Lee? Your son had to tell you to do that? I said, sorry, Lord. <laughs> Generosity. Few, cre- few seeds, little crop. Haplus seeds, that means big seeds, lots of seeds. Haplous crop, big crop. You grow flowers of generosity. It kills weeds of greed. You see, love grows with generosity, not with greed. So let's work that for a minute. It goes on down. Jesus continues with this Matthew 6, by the way. And if you just wanted to turn to a text and said, well, we need to go expository. just be Matthew 6 because I'm just walking through it in reality. I'm just giving you some extra things on the side for you to more clearly understand it. Your eye is a lamp, Jesus said. It provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. Now, interestingly enough, the word translated good here is the word haplous, which is translated, what I just gave from 2 Corinthians, as what? What do you think it is? Generous. Generous. So when he uses the word good here, what he means is when you have a generous eye, when you look upon things with generosity and grace, then your whole body is full of generosity and grace. It's full of light. But if instead you look upon it with a bad light, and the word bad here is actually translated greed in other areas. Greed. When you look upon life with greed, what am I going to get out of this? How can I keep this? then your whole body will be filled with darkness. Now, horrible is that darkness. You see, he said this right after he got through telling us right at the beginning. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Store them up in heaven. Your eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is generous, then you'll be full of light. But if your eye is greedy, you'll be full of darkness. Ponderous, badness, darkness, greediness, stinginess. Greediness is the way it's often translated. You see, Jesus is trying to teach us that you can't own money. You can't own money, but you can manage it. You can't own money, but you can manage it. He talks about, to to Matthew and Luke, they both share two different stories. The first story that Luke shares is a story we call the shrewd manager. I'm not sure why I call it. I call it the corrupt manager. The story is a very interesting one. It's found in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to go ahead and, and read that one. I'm going to turn over here Luke 13. Let's see if I got this. Yeah, there we go. Over there, 13. <laughs> I don't have a 13 in this Bible. Hold on. It says, okay, so Luke 13. It says, uh, and that's not the right one. So, how about Luke 16? Is that better? And we'll start down there. Okay, so let's turn to Luke 16. or over there. Hey, I like this. You got it parable of this shrewd manager of the corrupt guy. And Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer for me. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. I'll do it so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. What's he going to do? So, well, what are you going to do? He says, so he called in each one of his master's debtors. And he asked him, how much do you owe? And I said, well, 800 gallons of olive oil. And he said, you know, take down the bill and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you want? How much do you owe? And he said, "A 1,000 bushels of wheat. And he said, take your bill and make it 800. Now, the master, when he learned about this, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. So that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with real riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And then he gives this quote that we just read a minute ago. He says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be Devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, it's an interesting story because when I first read it, I go, hold it, you're commending the guy for stealing from his owner. What are you doing, Lord? And he said, no, that's not what I was doing at all. Interesting enough, the owner commended him. He said, great job, you finally did the right thing. Because, see, I made a lot of friends when you did that because they think that I'm the one being generous. And they've become friends with me, not just with you, but with me. Because they're assuming that I direct you to do this. He doesn't say, okay, let's reset this whole thing. No, he goes, this is great. You use my money to build friendships, and that's exactly what you should have been doing all along. You see, God is saying, I'm not concerned about oil. I'm not concerned about bushels of wheat. I'm not concerned about any of these things. What I'm concerned about is that you use whatever finance I give you to build faith and friendships. To build faith. And friendships. You need to use earthly living to declare God's ownership in our life and not ourself. That was a principle that he should have learned long before. God wanted him in his earthly living to declare God's ownership in his life. So this first principle for managing not trying to own something is that God uses money to make friends, not enemies. We're to be generous with God's money. We're to use money to build friendships. Use money to build friendships. We're to love people, not things. You see, it's only relationships that last forever. Those are the true riches. And he ends with that, you cannot serve God and money. Now, how does that all work out? Well, basically it works out like this. Money money causes us, when we have it, to get caught up in greed. And before we know it, what happens is money starts directing our lives instead of us directing the lives of money, What is going to be done, what we're going to do with it. And Jesus is trying to tell us, look it, you can either serve me or you can serve money. But if you don't serve me, you will serve money. Let's have a little bit of fun and watch this clip.
1: What can I tell you about Benjamin? Our friendship started out great. When I was a kid, I only saw him every now and then. But as I got older, he came around more and more. And that was great too. Until he started to sort of take over. Yo, man, get up, man. It's time to go to work, man. What you doing in the bed? Get up, lazy bones. Go hey, I don't grow on trees. Come on now. Time to herb me up some homies, baby. None of us can live without him. But for me, things really got out of control. Tocio's, man, you bought generic. We are not Toasty old kind of people. What if the neighbors see this in your trash? We are Cheerio folk, Fruity Pebbles, Frankenberry, Pop-Tart folk, man. When he took over, nothing was ever good enough. Why didn't we get the movie package? Why didn't we get the movie package? Would it have been too much fun, too majestically awesome to have a universe of entertainment at our fingertips? Fingertips, baby. Almost every piece of mail I got was for him. Hello, little babies. Mm, Pre-approved, just how I like you. Ooh, Circuit City. I can get lost in here. Looks like my whole life was about serving him. You missed a spot. Oops. I began to worry about him all day. Yeah, man, I know you're at work and everything, but uh, some guy from collections, he keep calling here. I tell him I only speak pesos, though. No Camprendo repo, senor. Yeah, mm, uh, grocery is. And all night. Yes, uh, I'd like to order the Turbo Floss 9000 Rapid Gum Care System. And uh, by any chance, do y'all have any of those uh, bedazzlers? Yeah, that was bomb, let me tell you. I had to do something. I had to put him in his place. Lord, man, where you been? I called you like about 50 times. Who's this guy? This better be the guy that's supposed to be putting in my jacuzzi. This is Jim. He's a financial counselor. It wasn't pretty. But Jim helped me get Benjamin under control. Get in the savings chair. Man, get in the no chair. Be firm. Get in the savings chair. You know who I think I am. Hit him with the budget. Man, that ain't doing nothing. Oh, hey, man. Okay, this chair right here. I'm getting in it, man. I'm getting in it. All you have to do is stop, man. You have to say that. It really works. Now, things are different around here. Hey, stop doing bills, man. What are you doing? Come on, man. Oh, oh, my head. Whoa, it's me. It's feeling kind of faint. I need a cash advance, man, come on. Benjamin is working for me. Now remember, no TV until you earn some interest. I even have him working for the church. Is my 10% up yet? Not yet! (laughs) Show me the meat!
0: (laughs) Okay. All right, back to where it looks like they cut off our TV there for a second, but it's coming back. It's all right. Ah, So that was fun, but when we talk about this issue of finances, Jesus goes on. He talks to uh, Matthew in this case, and this is called the story of the smart brokers, I call it. It's a group of guys. They were all given different amounts of money to invest. So he's kind of Peter on steroids over here, okay? So Pete's got all this stuff here. He said, you need to invest all these things. He's got five great friends. They're all busy involved, and they're investing their funds. One person, Jesus gives a million dollars to another person, gives $500,000. So he breaks it all the way down. All these guys get a different amount according to their ability, according to their understanding, according to their uh, opportunities that would come their way. Well, one guy of the bunch decides, you know, I'm just not going to deal with this. And he takes God's money and hides it in the ground. Puts it away under the mattress. When life ends, he gets back. He turns to God and says, here you go. This is what you gave me to begin with. I knew you were a hard master. And so I hid it under the mattress. I didn't use it. Here it is. I'm giving it back to you. And Jesus says, you horrible, terrible, dishonest, disgusting. I mean, it's like. Whoa, Lord, all he did was not use the gifts that you gave him. He said, how could you do this? Don't you understand that you were given these funds to invest in my kingdom and you didn't do it? So your whole life was wasted. When I desire to use you in spectacular ways, you refuse to be used. You didn't believe that I would reward you. Therefore, you lost everything. You see, the second principle about managing not only is that you need to invest the gifts that God gives you by faith, not by fear. We're faithful with God's finances. We invest in God's kingdom, not our own. We expect God to reward us when we respond with generosity. We expect God to get involved in it, and he does on a regular basis. We're to use our money to build friends and faith. There was an old song that talked about this, and it, the song went like this. We take paradise, and we put up a parking lot. Hey, you know that old song? You know, oh, man, what are we doing? We pave paradise, and we put up a parking lot. What, what are you thinking? Well, what you're thinking is you're not doing it God's way. You're supposed to use your money to build friends. You're supposed to use your money to show generosity. You're supposed to use your money to declare your faith. And instead, you got caught up in developing your own kingdom. God says, don't do that. It's a horrible thing. God owns it all, but he wants you to manage it. He owns everything, but he wants you to manage it. Manage it with a focus on faith and friendship with generosity. And then what happens is God loves to reward faithful managers. God loves to. And consistently he'll show up and you go, oh my goodness, look how that happened. And over and over and over again, God will show himself as the owner of all that you have. You see, God is perfectly capable of developing his business. He just wants you to manage it. He just wants you to manage it. So manage it. In faith, building friendships with generosity. Embrace that mindset. It'll change everything you do. This is God's business, not my own. God has given you a business to manage, and you need simply to say, Hey, Lord, how do you want me to manage it? You can't kill greed, but you can grow generosity. You can't own money, but you can manage it. And perhaps the biggest point is the third one here that I'm bringing in. It kind of supports the others, and that's this. You can't manage a heavenly business with earthly values. You can't manage a heavenly business with earthly values. That's why when Jesus finished up his statement here, and also in the earlier statement that we read in Luke, he says no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the others, or he'll be devoted to the one. And despise the other. You cannot, not you might be able to, not it's possibility, you cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. It's impossible. And the first value that talks to us about this issue of managing is you must love God as your first value. Does your money say, I love God? Does your money say, I have a vision from God and I can show people that vision when they look at my money? God so loved that he gave. You want to be driven by God's vision for you, not by dollars, because the bottom line is relationships. Scripture says you cannot love God and money. Life is about relationships, and your vision involves relationships with God and with one another, not money. Jesus said you can be a manager. You cannot be an owner. You can't love God and love money. And loving God is the first value of our vision. I love God. He gave me this vision for how I'm supposed to work with these finances he provided me in relation to my family, in relation to my friends, in relationship to my church. And I'm going to follow that vision. See, the question is, what's your plan? What's your plan? This last year, uh, my wife and I looked at our finances and our structure, and our kids were pretty much gone. We had a four-bedroom home here in Costa Mesa. We said, what do we need this for? And she said, yeah, I don't like cleaning it. And you won't. I said, that's not true. She always said, you know, we don't need this. Let's sell this place. Okay, well, the problem is we enjoy hospitality. We enjoy having people over. We enjoy doing those kind of things, getting people together. My wife is very, very good at it. So we're like, well, the problem is we get the little place, we won't be able to have anybody over. And after we're done, we won't be able to share with them at all. So the Lord provided for us this marvelous little condo that Jeremiah found for us that has three different prayer gardens in it. It's got this, in a condo? It's crazy, but all that came together. In fact, we rejected the first time because we weren't clear in terms of the vision God was trying to give us. Fortunately, he said, no, this is Lee's not going to sell it to anybody else. So it stayed on the you know, It didn't actually even get on the market. It was just waiting. And we... Ended up buying this great place, and we sold a place we had up in Lake Arrowhead. We pulled all our finance together. And we said, okay, we're going to go to a smaller costs and smaller stuff here. We're going to be more appropriate in how we're using our finances. But before we did this, we prayed and said, Lord, what do you want us to do with your finances? What do you want to do with what we have? And he was clear. This is what you're supposed to do. I cried when we sold the Lake Arrowhead place. I got to admit it. You know, I really, I, I didn't when we sold the house. That wouldn't bother me at all. But the Lake Arrowhead one was Mary and I were both. I was, I was sitting there going, oh, boy, Lord, we've loved this place so much. We've gained so much while we we're here. And the Lord just cleared goes, no, no, no. Let it go, Lee. Let it go. It's like, oh. oh. Love God, not money. Store up your treasures in heaven. Okay, Lord. Wonderful wonderful position we love where we're at we are so contented because you see your contentment's not found in your content it's found when you're following the vision that god has given you when you're not owning but you're managing what he's provided you for now i'm gonna give you another for instance perhaps some of you uh, you're a weirdo you believe that your children should be raised by you and not in daycare okay Kind of odd there. And so your wife wants to stay at home and you say, you know something, we're going to buy this smaller place and live in that so that we can do that. I know that's weird, but perhaps the reason you came to that conclusion, and we did, was because you said, you know, it's God's stuff, not ours. God, show us what to do. And he provides over and over and over again because you can do it. You're going to say, no, we can't. Yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the way, that is talking about finances if you look at it in the context. You'll be amazed by it. You'll look and go, oh my goodness, he's talking about giving in this particular arena. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is in the midst of all of our situations. You've got a vision. What's your vision? Perhaps your vision is both of you to work for three years and then you'll have enough saved to have a child and to quit work for the next three years. You know, perhaps you say, you know, I live alone, but I have this nice house. It's a four bedroom house. Instead of like Pastor Lee of selling and doing something else, that was kind of dumb. I'm going to rent out those three rooms and I'm going to get back all the money for that. It's going to pay all the whole thing. I'll be able to give more to God because Lee just wasn't very smart when it comes to investments. I go, oh, so much to you, too. Okay, your vision. What's your vision? It's the one that God gives you. And you say, God, what is the vision that you've given me in relationship to my expenses, what I'm supposed to do? What's your visions? God's the ruling partner, and he's more than willing to tell you what to do. So when you have decisions to make about your finances, you make it on the basis of your vision, not on the basis of just finances. God's the ruling partner. Loving God's the first value of my vision. And the second value of my vision is giving generosity. Giving generously on a regular basis. Does our money say that we're generous with people? See, in the Gospels, one in ten verses deal directly with money. More than prayer, more than faith. Jesus, with his disciples, he spots a poor widow who comes by and drops two pennies in the offering container, and he says, that woman gave more out of that two pennies than all these guys that are giving huge amounts of dollars because they gave out of their surplus, but she gave sacrificially. And Jesus is teaching the principle of proportion. Of proportion. And that's the second value that comes into play when we talk about how we're to live our life and the vision he wants to give us. We give proportionately. It's not so much how much we give, but the proportion of our giving as it relates to our income. As my income goes up, my giving goes up on a regular, consistent basis. My opportunity to be generous goes up on a regular basis. It's the principle that Jesus was trying to share. And if you follow it, it'll change your life. Foundational truth is this. This is one thing that God taught me a long time ago, and it's simple, but it's incredibly profound. Okay? God looks at what we keep, not what we give. And there's the principle of proportionate giving. God looks at what you keep, not what you give. So I start saying, you know, Lord, this is a big check I'm giving out here. I should show everybody, it's a really big check. There's a lot of money I'm giving to the church. And God says, Lee, how much are you keeping? I don't want to go there, Lord. He says, I do. See, because I don't look at how much you're giving. I look at how much you're keeping. And are you keeping in accordance with the vision that I've given you? For your finances. See, our purpose in becoming financially secure is not to get more. It's to give more. One of the principles that, as we get into a senior ministry I'm going to try desperately to teach our seniors is give it while you can. Give it while you can. The mistake I see on a consistent basis if people die. There's this estate that's given. And the the state says, well, I'll take 50%. And somebody else says, I'll take this percent. And I'll take that percent. And I go, why on earth were you waiting? You should have been giving it out. If you want this to go to your kids, give it away now. Provide now while you can have some say about it. Encourage them now. Because guess what? We're all going to die. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So I want to say is, okay, Lord, while you allow me to manage it, am I managing this well? Am I responding to it in the manner that you want me to be? Because I want to give more, not get more. And the last value is we live by faith, not foolishness or fear. So in Luke it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together. It'll make room for more. It'll run over It'll pour it under your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you what? Get. The amount you give will determine the amount you get. I go, oh. I thought it was the other way. No. He's trying to teach us this truth. That's why Jesus closes his comment in relationship to finances in Matthew 6. He's done 24 verses. In verse 25, he says, This is why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. God will provide. Give and you will receive. Give and you will receive. Turn to the person next to you and say, Give, and you will receive. Some of you younger people are turning to your dad and mom and saying, Give. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing that God provides for us. You see, what we want to be is people that are not serving money and loving it. We serve God, and we love Him. We will not have our hearts in this world. We're going to keep them in heaven where they belong and we'll have no debt that remains outstanding except a continual debt to love one another. You see, that's the cry to us of God in relationship to our finances. He wants to set us free. He says, look, follow my principles and you'll be fine. You'll be really fine. Now, how many of you want to start doing that? Raise your hand if you'd like to start doing that. Come on. You're going, I really do. I, I, I do. I. Yeah, I, I get it. It's a wonderful things, folk, if you can learn to do that, get a vision from God. And today we're going to ask the band to come up as we kind of close up together. And they're going to sing a song. And as they do that, you guys are going to think. Okay? You're going to think. What? is God's vision for me, for what He has given me to manage. What's God's vision for me? I want you to think about it. Think, say, Lord, show me the vision. Not the money, the vision. Lord, show me the vision. And then I'll be able to handle my finances correctly. And that's the key. So right now you need to start. We're going to talk next week a little bit more about this issue of specifics in relationship to God and how to handle our finances. But you need to say, Lord, show me the vision. Set me free. And that's the key today. So as they do this, I'm going to pray right now for us. Ask God's blessing on us and direction for us. And then think about that. Write stuff down. Write it on your prayer request, wherever it may be. Think about it for the next few minutes. Lord, today we come to you and we ask... That the power of your spirit will change our hearts and our minds. That we see ourselves as people called to manage your resources. Partners in life. Wanting to please you and you alone. Lord, we want generosity to overflow in our lives. We want to follow your principles. Not the principles of this broke, indebted world with the principles that you've given to us and how we are to handle finances and how we're set free. Grant us the ability to live as you want us to live. Set us free. Set us free, Lord. We commit to following this financial journey with you today. Guide us. Lead us. Lord, show me the vision. Show me the vision.